0: Good morning, everyone, and happy Memorial Day weekend. In England, we call it Remembrance Sunday, so you guys have to be different again. (laughs) For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jamie Grimble, husband to Debbie, father of two little ogres, Fletcher, who is almost four, and Finnegan, who is almost two. I have two dogs called Bruce and Clarence, yes, named after Mr. Springsteen and his big man saxophone player Clarence Clemens. I'm a DJ that plays in clubs, events, and weddings, and I was born and raised in London, UK. We moved to Philly eight years ago uh, to help my wife pursue a career in fashion design, and I am an avid Liverpool supporter, and I'm still recovering from a heavy defeat last night in the Champions League final. so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, we also live here in West Philly, uh, and I'm also 40, going on 12 years old. And here at Mosaic, is <laughs> are true. <who said> true? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, <laughs> um, I'm here at Mosaic. I'm the youth specialist, uh, which means I teach the kids from grades four and up, uh, and I also try and work with the youth in surrounding areas, uh, building relationships with other organisations that work with the youth, and have almost uh, been doing this for almost four years now. Uh, it's been equi- uh, an equally challenging but rewarding job. Um, where hopefully I get to have a real impact in developing these kids' lives to understanding and living out Jesus' message. This is my current life. It does have its challenges. It does suck sometimes. It's an incredibly... But it's an incredible life. I have been blessed with an amazingly strong wife, two hilarious and lovely boys, and I constantly wonder and marvel how I got here. So if you had a DeLorean and converted it into a time machine, and parked it outside, and you went back to London 15 years ago, to 2003, and tracked me down and told me that my 40-year-old life would look like that, well, I would have laughed very, very very loudly, maybe even deliriously, and then proceeded to collapse on the floor and pass out, which would be very convenient for you, because you could slip back into the DeLorean and travel back to 2018. And 2003, Jamie, would wake up thinking, what a crazy dream that was. But I think a lot of us here today would have had the same reaction 2003, Jamie, would have had. But this is the real world. We don't have time machines, or Elon Musk hasn't told us yet. Over the past weeks, we have heard from various members of our church and Brad, our pastor, about their experiences and understanding of salvation, not in terms of heaven and hell, but salvation here on earth. For me, it's been a really inspiring hit series to hear and m- made me really think about what salvation really is. And so I wanted to focus on a particular aspect of this, which is incredibly personal to me and hopefully to you. And that is discovering the value of who you are and what God has made you to do. A minute ago, I gave you a brief description of what my life looks now and hinted that 15 years ago, my life was very, very different. And I think that's the same for all of us. Our lives obviously do change to circumstance, the people we meet, the choices we make, and most of all, figuring out what we are meant to do and how we are meant to achieve it. Our TV sets are flooded with reality shows, and in these reality shows, the TV producers love to hone in on one thing with each contestant, their journey. From MTV, the real world, to Survivor, to The Bachelor or Bachelorette, to Big Brother, to American Idol, Each contestant goes on a journey. And although edited for drama and interest, they enter as one kind of person and in a few short weeks have apparently learned so much about themselves and come out of the experience a very different person, sometimes for the worse, but generally for the better. They have discovered themselves. But I feel that most of us don't want to go through that experience to discover who we really are. But it's really hard to figure out what is my purpose in life and what legacy do i want to leave psalm 139 verse 15 and 16 says my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in the secret place when i was woven together in the depth of depths of earth your eyes saw my unformed body all the all the days ordained me for were written in your book before one of them came to me to came to be this psalm is essentially saying that God created us. God saw us when nobody else could, not even our own mothers. God sees our importance and value already. God knows our story already, even before we were born. So how do we realize our value, our importance, what our story will be? This is a very real constant battle with ourselves to become comfortable in our own skin and not to compare ourselves to the supposed fortunes of others especially in this age of social media. As I said earlier, I'm the youth specialist and I love working with kids, helping them to reach their full potential to discover who they are, help them discover their gifts and use them in a positive and influential way. (coughs) And child education is in my DNA. My mum is a retired preschool teacher. My big sister is now a preschool teacher. My younger brother taught high school science in high school for 10 years. And my father was a governor of of my old high school for nearly 25 years. Five or six of my uncle and aunts are teachers or professors in colleges. So you see, child education is a big factor in my family. It was like the Kennedys and politics. Growing up in school and in church, people saw how I was with younger kids and really saw that I had a gifting for teaching and education and would gently encourage me to get involved and gain experience. I would help at my mum's school. I would do work experience at a local elementary school. I would go on Christian kids camps as as a camp counselor. And all this finally led me to go to college to study to be a teacher. But when I got to college, and got into the meat and bones of what it really meant to be to be a teacher. This is where the wheels of this wagon started to come a bit loose, and eventually fell off. The dream of being a teacher started to crumble. The education, wasn't the education system wasn't what I thought it was. And instead of trying to be an influence and be part of the change, I started drifting off and pursuing other interests instead. I wasn't strong enough or motivated enough. I didn't have the support system in place to help me navigate it through it. By this point, I had started DJing in clubs in London, and I had also given up on church, as I supposedly thought I'd chosen a lifestyle that didn't fit into the idea of what it I thought w- was be, you know, to be a Christian was. And so I finally dropped out of college, giving up on teaching. I even lied to my parents for nearly a year, so they couldn't even help or support because they didn't even know the truth not wanting to tell them what I had done, feeling ashamed or guilty for letting them down with failing to live up with what I thought at the time was their expectations of me. A big factor that contributed to this slow demise in my uh, teaching career is that I was a bit of an escapist. And I don't mean like Harry Houdini, I don't try and break out out of straitjackets, and I don't really mean like Anthony Bourdain, journeying to the outer parts of the world to try amazing and crazy food. What I mean is that I would constantly dream of what my life was, or this, or that, and how much better it would be if I did this, or did this job, or did that. But it wasn't real. The literary world and movie world uses escapism as a device to create a character or storyline. One character is Walter Mitty. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is a short story by James Thurber, the most famous of, actually, James Thurber's stories. It first appeared in The New Yorker in 1939, and it went on to be made into two movies, the first in 1948, starring Danny Kaye, and the second was directed and starred Ben Stiller in 2013. The short story deals with a vague and mild-mannered man who drives into Waterbury, Connecticut with his wife uh, uh, for their regular weekly shopping trip, and also his wife's visit to the beauty parlor. During this time, he has five heroic uh, daydream episodes. The first is a pilot of a US Navy flying boat boat going into a storm. Then, he's a magnificent surgeon performing a -a one-of-a-kind surgery. Then, as an assassin testifying in a courtroom, and then as a Royal Air Force pilot, volunteering for a daring secret suicide mission to bomb an ammunition dump. And as the story ends, Mitty imagines himself facing a firing squad, inscrutable to the last. Each of these fantasies is inspired by some detail of Mitty's mundane surroundings. The name M- Walter Mitty and the derivative, you, uh, the derivative word Mittyesque have entered the English language, denoting that an ineffectual person who spends more time in heroic daydreams than paying attention to the real world, or more seriously, one who attempts to mislead or convince others that he is something that he is not. This was me. I was constantly daydreaming to be something I was not. I would lie to people about it because I thought they would just respect me more. And it was simply because I had lost focus of who Jamie Grimble was and what I was created to be. And I had become ashamed of what Jamie Grimble had become. Now, there was a big turning point in this. And as you probably realized, I would not be standing here talking to you all. (laughs) And spoiler alert, This this turning point was finding Jesus again and being comfortable in my own shoes and, again, finding my gifting again. Having the right support network to help me along when I struggled with direction. Having a wife to tell me when I was being an idiot and to wise up. But most of all, I gained a new vibrant understanding of a God who created me and Jesus, who made me realize my value and purpose. Now, I want to look at... uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, because it helps us deal a lot with the confusion in finding our purpose and value. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stu- uh, stewards of God's grace its and its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Peter is giving us a very clear instruction here. We have all, all of us, received a gift from God. And it's up to us to use them wisely and faithfully as God intended. It's like if you were given a book for your birthday, and then inst- that y- you decided instead of reading it and gaining from whatever was written in it, you would h- use it to prop up that wobbly leg on the table. We miss out. Others miss out from you recommending the book. Not even the table issue would be fixed, as it's a temporary solution, and it would soon need fixing. I had been given the gift to work with children. I decided to abandon it because the the path got a little rough, a little tricky, and I didn't think I was cut out for it. I didn't realize it was a gift from God, just something I was good at, just a big kid who could relate to children. And so I decided to put the book under the table. But then I had a powerful moment with God where he directly said, I need you to work with kids. And I had come back to the church at this point and was really hungry to serve, to get involved in a ministry where uh, when church said they had an intern leadership program running and needed interns, but you had to be part of a ministry within the church. So I went down the list. Well, I wasn't very good at playing an instrument, and you don't want to hear me sing. So worship was out. I was horrible at praying at the time, barely prayed. So ministry, prayer ministry was out. Small group ministry, no thank you. <laughs> I went down the list dismissing each one until I came to kids ministry. I really wanted to dismiss it because it brought up you know, my past experiences. But it was the only one I knew I had an experience at. So I signed up for the ministry. And it, was, and it started me on a new invigorated path. But I embraced my gift and used it as God intended. So once we embrace our gifts, others benefit tenfold because they are receiving what you have to offer. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do as as one who speaks the very words of God. Wow, that's a big ask, right? Speaking as one who speaks the very words of God. That means once we've realized and accepted our gifts, and put them to work, we actually need to express it as God intends it to. So when I came back to my faith, I really wanted to stop my DJing because I felt it had been the root cause of me walking away from my faith. But I remember Jesus telling me that he wanted me to DJ because it was also a gift he'd given me, but to use it in more of a constructive way rather than a destructive, self-absorbed way that I had been using it. And once I did this, it was incredible because people would come up to me in the club asking me for help uh, and advice because they knew I was a Christian. And so this leads to the next part of Peter's prayer. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So when I recalibrated my DJ skills, when I accepted calling the calling to kids ministry, I knew I couldn't do it alone. You know, I, I should have... Instead of lying to my parents at that time, I knew they perfectly would have accepted my decision. They might not have agreed with it, but I know my parents, and I knew they would have accepted and helped me at least get to a position to be better, but I rejected that. So God does what our parents do. They're going to support you. They're going to provide you with the right people, the right companions, the right colleagues at work. Melissa Min, who is our kids' ministry director, does an amazing job. But it's even more incredible as she puts up with a lot from a very disorganized me. But I have learned so much from her, and I hope she has from me. We had a dedication last week, and the parents asked you to support them in raising their child. We should do the same for each other. We also make a commitment to advocate for each other. That's the strength that God supplies. And finally, Peter ends the prayer by saying, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Because when we realize our gift, facilitate our gift, support each each other in our gift, do we truly feel alive in our gift? This is reflected in my kids' ministry, simply through the kids. Seeing them grasp a thought, a deeper understanding of Jesus' love for them, what he has in store for them. This is the way I can praise God for what he has done for me. It has filled my whole life with meaning. And so to finish, I want to use another passage, and it's taken from Job 37, 5, and 6. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways he does great things beyond our understanding he says to the snow fall on the earth and the rain to and to the rain shower be a mighty downpour now i love the freedom and the grace in that passage when i read it god is saying to the snow fall on the earth that's it Just do that one thing. Just fall. And then he says to the rain, be a mighty downpour. A bit like today. Essentially, he's saying, just do the thing that I've actually created you to do. You're the rain. So rain. You're the snow. So snow. I love the simplicity of that. God is asking me to be the thing that he's already created me to be. And he's asking you to be the thing that he's already created you to do. So he doesn't tell the snow to thaw and become rain or the rain to freeze itself into snow. He's essentially saying, do your thing. Do the thing that you love to do, what you have been created to do. So many of ourselves twist ourselves up in knots, desperately trying to be something or something else, somebody else, trying to fulfill some endless list of qualities and capabilities that we'll think that will make us feel loved, safe, or happy. That is an exhausting way to live. I know because I've done it. What God is asking you to do what is the thing that God has created you to be? What do you do with ease and lightness of falling snow? Many of us, and if we're honest, have wandered far from those things. We have gotten wrap, wrapped up in what someone else was, wanted us to be, what we would thought would keep us happy and safe and gain us approval. So I want us to... Try something, something that we do a lot here at Mosaic. And I just want us to try to get to a place where we can focus on that. So can we just close our eyes and just take some deep breaths? Just count to 30 in and count to 30 out. And just keep doing that until you come to a relaxed place where you can really come to a comfortable place. And I want you to go back and picture yourself when you were a child. Think about your adolescent self, your child self, the you that you've always been. God imprinted beautiful collections of passions right onto your heart. What do you love? What does your passion bubble over for? Most of adulthood is peeling off layers of expectation and pressure. So I just want you to imagine that you're removing those layers of pressure, of expectation, of the demands. Because they've hardened and protected those precious things that lie beneath your true value. But those definitions require us to live on a treadmill both litr- literally and figuratively, always hustling to fit in. Our dreams orderly and profitable. But that's not life. That's not where the fullness of joy and meaning are found. The snow is only meant created, commanded to fall. The rain only meant created, commanded to pour down. You were only meant, created, commanded to be who you are. Weird, wonderful, imperfect, messy, and lovely. What do you need to leave behind? in order to recover that essential self that God created? What do you need to walk away from in order to reclaim those unique parts God designed his purpose for? Let's just close in prayer. Lord, we read that you created us in your image, that you had a plan for us, that you designed us. You had everything in store for us. But sometimes the big word life just comes in the way and deflects us from really achieving what you truly created us to be. What you intended us to be. When it's staring us right in the face. Lord, and I just ask that you just break down those barriers, those layers that have built up over time, that you come and just sit down beside us and work through you, work through you to get to us. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So I'd like to invite Charlene up again.